0: Whoever is listening, welcome back. My name is Grayson Mann. This is the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 39. Guys, I, we are back. A long week it has been. I feel good to be on vacation, but at the same time, it feels good to be back making content. There's a lot to talk about. We're going to go through a lot of things today. We're going to start with talking about the NBA Finals, the Suns versus the Bucks. It is here It's new faces, whoever wins this one gets their first ring, CP3 or Giannis, we'll talk about it. We're going to talk about the NIL, the biggest story in college sports in a long time has reached us. We're going to discuss that and more and what it could mean for the show, future interviews and stuff like that. And then we're going to save this for the end so you can skip it if you want to. I'm going to get some Wimbledon talking, I want to talk about some tennis. You guys are going to go tennis and you're going to roll your eyes, but I have played tennis for nine years when I was in high school, middle school. And a little kid, so watching Wimbledon every year is like a little tradition, and now I get a platform to talk about it, so I wanted to get right into that. But I will save it for the end for the people who don't want to listen to that. We'll go NBA, we'll go NIL, and then we will go to Wimbledon and make some announcements at the end. But if you want to skip that, it'll be at the end, so you don't have to worry about it. So. Big things happening this week. I guess when you go on vacation, the sports world decides to take it up a notch, which is kind of like a slap in the face. But it's fine. It really is. I really want to start with the NBA Finals, so What we have a lot. So it was like a back and forth. So it's one night you had the Western Conference Finals, and the next night you had the Eastern Conference Finals. And my in mean, the Western Conference, I was very set on the Suns. I was very in belief that the Suns were the most complete team in the NBA currently. They had it all together. The Clippers could make things interesting, but I think that Chris Paul was on a mission, and obviously the Suns took care of business earlier in the week. On the other hand, I did make a prediction saying that the Suns would win in six and the Hawks would win in six. I was one for two. Can't get them all right. I really feel like Atlanta and Milwaukee's the series to talk about because on my way up to Clemson to have this week off, Giannis, I thought, tore his ACL, so I was like, wow. I really am going to be right. And then Trey Young, just like that, is also injured. So it was a very interesting series about the culmination of this playoffs has been defined by the injuries of the stars. You've got Kawhi is out. LeBron and AD have injuries. Jamal Murray's out. Jalen Brown, James Harden, Kyrie Irving. There's so many injuries. And Milwaukee got that injury bug because they're actually probably the most healthy team because Chris Paul had to deal with the COVID thing. You have on the Clippers, you no know, Kawhi and then the Hawks and the Bucks seem to be the most healthy squads. Giannis goes down, Trey goes down, and it really showed what Milwaukee was. Milwaukee was more than Giannis. It was more than the two-time MVP. It was truly the sum of its parts. Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Connaughton, Brooke Lopez. That came out of nowhere for back-to-back, like, 20-point games. It was insane. I might be wrong on that one, but he was a threat. He was a force. Um it really showed that Milwaukee was more of a complete team. Atlanta's very young. Atlanta's still got a lot to figure out. They just signed Nate McMillan to a four-year deal. That's the right move for them to really carry that momentum from March to the playoffs to next year to see if they can develop that young core. Trey Young is obviously a superstar. Clint Capella's great. John Collins is great. Cam Reddish is someone that really surprised me. I was watching the Hawks games, the rest of them with my brother-in-law, he's a huge Hawks fan, and he could tell me all the stuff and the stats, so Reed, if you're listening, love you, bro, but you were really on point with those stats, Cam Reddish, he was talking about how he was playing with such a force, especially being out for so long, there was a lot that I thought, okay, if Atlanta could get their stuff together, they were going to go to the NBA Finals, because I didn't believe that Milwaukee had the capability to really take it to that next level, because no superstar in Giannis. Can Chris Middleton step up for consistent games? Can Drew Holiday get to form? Drew Holiday is a hell of a player. I didn't realize this, but he's such a force on defense. I know he used to be really good on defense. I just thought with age and being kind of not the number one on the team, even like the number three, he really stepped up. He was aggressive. He made good shots. He made really great plays on defense, was really a hawk. He was in Lou Williams' face. He was in Young's face. He was in Bogdanovich's face. He got... In it, He was Milwaukee's force. He was their energy. So was Bobby Portis, which I said Bobby Portis has got like the the insane face. Like he's going to go out there and make so many plays and he's like, ah, he gets super hyped, super energetic. It was a really entertaining series. I really am excited for the finals. As for the matchup, I think it's super interesting. I think that we're going to overreact as a media and I think I Wally will too because I think the Suns are going to easily take game one because I think They're going to be home. They're going to have a lot of energy. Both teams are going to be incredibly on edge because no one really has, besides Jay Crowder maybe, has that finals experience that's, all right, guys, I've been here before. Let's calm down. It's just another game. So I think both teams are going to be on edge, but the home team, the more well-rested team, the healthier team is probably going to take game one. I think Giannis is going to take a couple games to get back into it, especially with his hyperextension with his knee. We don't know how he's going to play, how he's going to react. I'm excited and I'm intrigued to see how his health will play into this series because I think if he's healthy, it could go seven games. I think the the Suns as a team are going to be more complete. They're going to have a little bit more to prove, and I think that this Milwaukee's gas. They have played in two really tight series with the the Nets and seven, and then they played this six game series with the Atlanta, which was more emotional than it was the Brooklyn game because I guess you got over that physical hump and that hill with the Brooklyn Nets, and now with Atlanta, it's more emotional. You're getting to the finals. You've lost your superstar. The coach is in question. So I think, how do Milwaukee's physical and emotional toughness and mentality take them even farther? Because it's another seven games that you potentially have to play. The Suns have been well-rested multiple times, and they faced this adversity. They had to play the Lakers. They had to have Chris Paul out. They're battle-tested. They're ready. I think Suns will win in six or seven games. That's going to be my prediction. You can staple it. You can put it on the fridge that I said, Suns in six Or something like that so if I'm wrong you can tell me later which I'm sure somebody will point out which is great It's always great to have those conversations with people I am excited I think Devin Booker is probably gonna step up I think Chris Paul is gonna finally get his first ring I think you're gonna see a lot of unlikely heroes this series because you never know with the finals and you never know with the teams that have never been there I'm super excited to watch it it feels like a return to form because we're in a no longer in a bubble we're in a full crowd capacity you got the Suns and Four guy. you got the Deer District. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, let's address the big elephant in the room. N-I-L. College sports will be forever changed. It is something that I never thought was coming because I always believe that college sports and the NFL and the professional sense, I'm looking at it through a football perspective, but I have a lot of people who will play college sports like I know some people, we're gonna have some interviews coming soon, so you gotta stay tuned for that. That can see it from so many different angles, and it's now you got barstool athletes. I mean, the second that it was announced, I saw so many advertisements, so many players on that I follow on Instagram that just had deals ready to go. It was like we are locked and loaded. We're ready for this. I never saw this coming. I'm gonna be completely honest. I thought that the monetization of college sports was something I never thought possible because I think it's. The amateurism of college sports, because you're still a student, and it's kind of weird to be in this position as a college student now at Clemson, where it's one of the biggest sports, football powerhouse, pretty decent at basketball, baseball's pretty good, track, swimming, whatever you want to take a look at it. Clemson's gotten up there, and it's so strange as a student to see student-athletes who have to balance school, practice this extra whole life and now they have to add business to it it's a really strange and I'm sure that first year it's going to be a lot of things you got to work out a lot of cogs in the machine but I'm very curious to see how it all plays out how these student athletes go from we got to put school and we got to put our game first but now we got to put school game and add that third part of that it's like a triangle you got business you got school you got athletics there's a lot of different Pieces to this puzzle. This is why I never thought it would happen because it was get super complicated with the NCAA and the rules. A lot of things like is Reggie Bush gonna get his Heisman Trophy back? All those guys sign autographs now. How did they balance that life? That's why I'm really looking forward to scheduling some of these interviews. I've been reaching out to a lot of people saying, "Hey, if you want to promote your brand, and if any athlete is listening to this podcast, if you wish to promote your brand, or just want to talk about NIL and how it affects your sport in general, I'd love to have you on." I'd love to talk. I'd love to sit down. Any sport is welcome. Seriously, I'd love to talk about this from a D1 athlete, D2 athlete, D3 athlete, any perspective that you have. Send it my way. Shoot me a text. Follow me on Instagram. Add me on Snapchat. Do whatever you think is necessary to get my attention, and we'll schedule an interview. But let's actually look at this from a football perspective, because first and foremost, we are a football podcast, as I've said before. I want to look at how recruitment is going to really take a shape into this because it's been Clemson it's been Alabama it's been Ohio State Oklahoma those big big schools and of course you get your hometown legacy you'll get your guys that want to stay local want to do this want to do that but how recruitment is going to take place now because it's going to become almost like NFL free agency. who can offer me the most money but at the same time who can offer me a championship experience it is another piece in that machine another piece in that just overall cog of college football, how does it work out? Because if you're a five star athlete, not only are you gonna have recruitment, up the just the you you know the you know the work. It's just gonna be everything. And now it's gonna be, hey, if you come to this school you could earn thousands of dollars compared to this school, only you could get hundreds of dollars off a certain sponsorship. How do these schools recover? How do these smaller schools who can't offer as much attract these big athletes? How do we get these new college football teams do we see a return of every year you get like a Coastal or a UCF or a BYU that's not really a bigger school, but a school that can amass some certain talent over time, get a lot of seniors starting, and really get a team that can win 10 or 11 games? A Cincinnati, how do they compete now in a business that's become about money now? I'm and Especially a smaller school like Clemson's not really known for their big, 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 Big popularity. There really used to always to be that small school on the hill, and that's what made it so unique. It was isolated, it was secluded, but it had that culture. It had that championship thing that they could now pull from. Do they have enough to be able to pull enough revenue and enough sponsorships? I think so because that championship to be on ESPN will be enough for you. But Alabama, Florida, Oregon, Michigan, USC, a lot of these big name schools are gonna really really benefit from having that brand, that name being. Being in Los Angeles is going to be so huge. Being close to a big city where you can quickly, easily get a sponsorship because you can get so much done now as a college athlete. I could see schools that are close to New York, schools that are close to Los Angeles, schools that are close to these big cities. Miami could really benefit from having a big market by them. It's just like football. It's just like pro basketball. It's just like baseball. The big markets will succeed and the big markets will have the biggest stars. Will this translate to college football? Well, a school like Alabama that's a big market for championships, can Tuscaloosa be that big market for money? Because it's going to be, do you want to win championships or do you want to make money? It's going to be a big deal. And since the schools aren't paying them, it's not going to be a term of a salary cap where they're restricted to a certain amount of money they can spend per recruit. It's going to be maybe six recruits making hundreds of thousands of dollars on one school, but do you have to share that piece of that pie? How many stars can you afford to have on one team? Do personalities become a big problem? There's a lot of questions and answers, which is, again, why I really want to get these athletes on and really start talking to them about how do they think this is going to happen. I really would love to be a bug on the wall for one of these athletes' reactions who maybe has some questions, more questions than answers about this NIL. How does this transition work out? Because I think that the sports world has forever changed because it's no longer get to the NFL and that's how you make your money. That's why you're fighting for it. My pencil just flew on the floor so much stuff is happening (laughs) so much stuff even the around my desk stuff's happening i think it's great and i think we have to be a little cautious moving forward because how do these schools react how do these players react how do these incoming freshman classes react how does recruitment change because i think that a couple schools might get brought back into the mix and some schools could get left out of the picture there's a lot to talk about a lot to digest I want to see how the fall season goes. I don't think it necessarily will be a distraction, but I think it's something that we need to look out for, something we need to watch for and keep maybe a little bit of an eye on. And so that's all I got really on the NIL. If you're an athlete and you want to be on the podcast and promote your brand, please let me know. I'm going to put my socials as always in the description so you can reach out to me. Uh, I'm excited for this. This is a new era. It's unique to be an up-and-coming podcaster, starting up, working on what I've been working on, and having this opportunity to be able to be a part of this because I didn't get to be a part of the Jordan era. I didn't get to be a part of Brady's early years, a lot of unique sports events that happened before me. This is now, and this is exciting. When I return, we're going to talk Wimbledon, and you can skip this, and we'll have some major announcements at the end, just another advertisement for interviews We're going to talk about Novak Djokovic. We're going to talk about Roger Federer, Coco Goff's run that just sadly ended today, the Slippery Court Serena's retirement, not from the game, but from the the match. And that's pretty much it. This is the Mammoth Plan Podcast, episode 39. We will be right back. And we are back. This is the Man with a Plan podcast, episode 39. Of course, me being the rookie podcaster forgot to thank you guys so much for the incredible support. We have killed episode 38. It has been so amazing. It's almost reached 100 people. It is doing fantastic for just a normal episode. No interview, no special guest tag to it. You guys killed it. We talked about Clemson football and so many other things on there, and If you have skipped ahead to see this Wimbledon segment, we talked Chris Paul, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the NBA Finals, return to form, and we talked about the NIL, the changing of college sports forever. And we just said, hey, if you want to be on the podcast and you're an athlete and you want to talk about the NIL, shoot me a message and let's work it out. Let's do it. So now is the time where you probably are going to cut this podcast off or you're going to keep listening to Hear a Perspective because I know not everybody's a tennis fan. It's not a nationally, I mean, it is a nationally popular sport, but I guess in America, if you don't play it, it's tough to really get into it or you've watched it. And I think for Wimbledon, it's such a tradition. It's such an aspect of sports that is overlooked. I played tennis and football in high school, and I played tennis for nine years. I played in a couple tournaments. I've played on my high school team. I have my, one of my closest friends ever I played tennis with for nine years. His name's Cannon McConnell. We played in so many games, so many matches. It, it Tennis is in our blood. It runs through our veins. So when Wimbledon comes up, we occasionally will shoot texts back and forth. Oh, did you see that match? Did you see that shot? I love Wimbledon. I love the aspect, the environment, the nature of it. I have coaches who have played some of these pros. Ivan... Base zone. if you are listening, coach, I miss you. We need to hit sometime. We need to play. You've played Novak. You've had some great stories. I really just want to get into Wimbledon as an event because I think it's worth giving it a try. Even if you're not a tennis fan, there's such an air about it. There's such a just something that you can't really describe. I really wanted to get into this week, what it meant. It's really a tennis player's red zone. You've ever been, it's Sunday, it's in the fall and you're watching NFL Red Zone, and you just feel like you can't get up because you don't want to miss what's going on. You don't want to miss that pick six, that touchdown, that huge hit that Scott Hansen's going to be like, seven hours of commercial free football start right now. And it's really, you just get into it, you're like, yes! So you hear Chris Fowler, you hear John McEnroe talking Wimbledon, Roger Federer's on the court. That is the tennis player's red zone. It's something that's so fascinating, so amazing. A lot of great stuff happened this week because we had we had drama, we had great matches. We have Coco Goff who's seventeen years old who's making an insane run. She went to the sweet sixteen as I like to call it. I use the basketball terms for these matches. It's technically round four, but it's the sweet sixteen to me, cause then we get to the quarters, which is eight, then the semis, and then obviously the finals, which is the two matchups. Goff who is going to who is like three years younger than me, which is insane to me that I'm sitting there watching someone younger than me play tennis at such a high level, when me, 17, couldn't dream of being at that place. There's so many great things about it, because you can get people from all countries, all nationalities, all, it's just great. It is a mixing, of, it's a true melting pot of great talent if you're a tennis fan. We could talk about Federer, who's 39 years old, who's really hit a stride. He's currently in a match right now, I don't know the specific score. I went When it was started to delay, I, that's when I knew I needed to record, because I didn't want to miss much of it. Slippery courts, we had two retirements, especially Serena Williams, who was arguably the greatest tennis player on the women's side. She had to retire due to an injury. I don't know what was going on with those courts, man, though, but day one, it was really, really bad. I I didn't really understand why they didn't fix it or they didn't stop it because they have this 2 weeks slotted to make this the perfect environment, perfect conditions. How does that work out? How does momentum work out for that type of thing? The court, you start to see some brown, some dirt, because the players have been on it so much. It shows that the time has passed. These matches have been played. It's really special. If I had to pick a winner right now, it'd probably be Novak Djokovic, but I'm currently rooting for Federer. Federer's been my favorite player since I've been watching tennis. It's so much fun to watch. I tried to model my game after him, even though I'm nowhere nowhere as good as he is, but it'd be fun because it really, like, you watch a football game or you watch a baseball game, and you're like, man... I'd love to go out in the batting cage, or man, I'd love to go run some routes. i go out there, man, I want to go get a racket and start hitting again, because I feel like I can emulate those guys. Like, oh, I see that on TV. Easy. Whack. Ah. But it's great. It's truly such an event. It's truly such a fantastic thing to talk about. Currently, I am waiting on the delay to finish so I can go watch some more tennis. And I'm going to go down as I edit this podcast and put it out to you guys that I will be watching tennis, so beware of that. The two sports that I played in high school, ironically, are the two sports that I'm talking about today. Football, tennis. That's just really all I have on Wimbledon. I can't get into it in depth as much because I'm not a tennis pro. I'm not a tennis expert. I played it, but it's not my forte to talk about. I got to get better at it like I did with basketball. I got to better at it, better myself, better the craft. But currently, I'd love to say Novak's got it, but clearly Federer is a challenger. There's a lot of great players on the other side. love to see Kerber take it. I would have said Serena's a clear favorite, but she's out in the first round, which is crazy, due to an error on Wimbledon, which is, oof, that is not what I would expect. But, guys, that's all I really have to say on Wimbledon. to finish up this podcast, just again reiterating, the sports world has changed, so if you want to come talk about how your sport has been affected or just what advertisements you want to promote, please reach out to me. I'll put the Instagram in the bio, I'll put out my personal Instagram, whatever you guys think is necessary, let's make it happen, let's continue to make content. Guys, I'm back, I'm back till I move into Clemson, that's all I really have to say. Interviews, episodes, expect them all, expect more, and expect better. I'm going to start playing around with some stuff to maybe, you guys will see, we'll, we'll leave you guys wanting more. My name's Grayson Mann, this is the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 39, we're close to 40 that's just crazy, 40 and 8 months, you guys are the best, but take care, I hope you had a great 4th of July weekend, and as always, take care.